Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Tribal economic development ranges from big federal contracts to small jewelry storefronts. The Economic Policy Institute finds tribes that assert control over their own economic decisions have the best chance of long-term sustainable growth that improves the conditions for their citizens. Today we'll select a handful of promising economic development ventures that tribes and tribal members are adding to the diverse mix that economists say provides a solid revenue foundation. We'll hear about them right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Jill Freitas filling in for Antonia Gonzalez. The Institute of American Indian Arts and Nike have joined forces to open opportunities for Indigenous students. This summer, two students were chosen to intern for the company in an unprecedented collaboration between the college and the company. KMBA's Hannah Bissett has more. The Tribal College in Santa Fe, New Mexico, is helping bring Indigenous people into global conversations with a large international brands. The Institute of America Indian Arts has partnered with Nike, well known for their footwear and apparel, to have partnerships within its departments for Indigenous students. Felipe Collin has worked for the Institute of American Indian Arts for around 12 years. He has worked to bring commercial opportunities to the college for students who bring their Indigenous perspectives into more global conversations in large companies and vice versa. We oftentimes represent a perspective that is becoming increasingly relevant to contemporary existence. We bring our values, we bring our understandings of the world into an industry who can really grow from that. The Institute of American Indian Arts is one of 36 tribal colleges nationwide. Over the past 60 years of the establishment of the college, one of the main focuses has been to give students more opportunities in their desired fields. For Indigenous people to really grow their careers, to become very much self-sustainable oftentimes for their, for their families, for their communities, and to do that in a way that, again, does not negate their indigeneity, but instead really considers that very much an asset. The eventual goal with the partnership is to have various options for the length of an internship, some being a few months to a year at Nike's corporate location in Oregon. The students are really excited to, to embrace, to be the forefront, to be the leaders to go out there and show the world what Indigenous people can do and how Indigenous people can shape our future. This summer, two interns were chosen to work under Nike, and they will have a student showcase in August to show their work. For KMBA News, I'm Hannah Bissett. An Indigenous writer known for sharing stories from Native elders is spending much of his time these days working on sci-fi. Matt Gilbert is from Arctic Village and grew up living with his grandparents. Gilbert was always very driven, even at a younger age, attending schools in the native village of Fort Nelson. But one thing that really stuck with him and that he realized early on is that he wanted to be a writer. Since I was seven years old, I've always wanted to be a writer. I think I got it from my great-grandmother, Maggie. She was the last uh, Gwich'in storyteller. Gilbert would graduate in 2005 from the University of Alaska Fairbanks, majoring in English literature. It was at that time his first opportunity struck when the University of Arizona came out with an ad for Native authors. I responded and I, I wrote out the elder stories. Those stories would be testimonies from the elders in his community talking about climate change. He named his memoir The Gwich'in Report and says there were things he learned from his elders that he hadn't learned in all the years he attended college. They, they gave so much brilliant extremely interesting knowledge about meteorology, ecology, 
uh, all the subtle changes the climate is doing to the earth, stuff you don't hear in the climate change movement. After he published his nonfiction book, Gilbert said it got him excited about returning back to his sci-fi trilogy, Chandira, which he created in high school. It's basically Lord of the Rings with a brown native man in the lead. <laughs> He's Guqin. They're coming back from like a planet, like mining planet. Um, this is like interstellar age where, you know, all of the Milky Way is like colonized and lived on by humans and uh, it's like the expanse of everyone. Anyone saw the expanse. Uh, I hope I'm not getting in trouble by naming all these jokes and stuff. I don't, I don't want any copyright. Gilbert is spending a majority of his time these days working on his sci-fi trilogy. I'm Jill Freitas. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, working to ensure tribal colleges and universities are included in our higher education system. Information on 37 tribal colleges and universities at AIHEC.org. The second annual Nakota Lawrence Youth Hoop Dance Championship comes to Santa Fe's Museum of Indian Arts and Culture August 5th and 6th. Registration for native hoop dancers up to 26 years old open through August 3rd at lightningboyfoundation.com who support this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. A tribal seal may not be on the front door or company website, but make no mistake. Tribes are operating a myriad of retail stores, agricultural ventures, manufacturing facilities, and entertainment venues to boost their economies. Sovereign status and access to capital help tribes build both big and small entrepreneurial projects. The Nez Perce tribe recently acquired a number of properties, including a golf course in danger of closing in a town near their reservation. Tribal officials say business is on the upswing. In New Mexico, the Navajo Nation is opening a third retail location that features authentic Navajo jewelry. Today, we'll hear from several tribal businesses who invest in their local economies. And you can join us by sharing how your tribe's businesses support your community. Let us know at 1-800-996-2848 or just tap 1-800-99-NATIVE on that touchscreen keypad. In Window Rock, Arizona, we're joined by J.T. Willie. He is the CEO of Navajo Arts and Crafts Enterprise. He is Dene. J.T., thanks for talking with us today. Uh, yes, good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Good morning to you as well. Speaking with us in Clarkston, Washington, is Zeke Domebo. He's a golfer and outreach supervisor for the Red Wolf Golf Club. He is Nimipu. Zeke, welcome to our show. Thank you, and thanks for having me. You bet, Zeke. And in our Albuquerque studio in New Mexico, we're joined by Saba and Orlando Cruz. They're both owners of Aerosol Trading Post, a new retail space in downtown Albuquerque. Saba is Jemez Pueblo and Navajo, and Orlando is Santa Ana. 
Saba and Orlando, great to have you both in studio. Awesome. Thank you guys for having us. Absolutely. Well, JT, let's start with you today there at Window Rocket and tell us more about Navajo Arts and Crafts. I understand you have two locations and you're getting ready to open a third or is it already up and running? Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Um, I'm the current CEO of Nav Arts and Crafts Enterprise, uh, just for information. And um, I started this position back in November of 2022. And um, our New Mexico locations are the Gallup New Mexico location, Shiprock, and we just opened the Crown Point location. That was back on June 1st of this year, this past month, actually. It feels like a year already, but it, it opened up last month. <laughs> well, congratulations uh, on this third location, and uh, tell us about these stores. I mean, uh, you have one in Chinle, you've got the one in Window Rock, and how does this new store compare to, to those two existing stores? Yeah, of course, um, and I, I've worked for this enterprise for a number of years prior to moving on to my other professions, and I have come back now, and I've really been it's been so exciting to lead this enterprise as its CEO and, and guiding it forward. Our mission to always support authentic Native American art, whether it's Navajo, Lakota, Kiowa, Comanche, whatever tribe, and carrying their art in our store locations here on the reservation. Uh, we currently have the new location that opened up at Crown Point, our main locations out of Winderock, Arizona. We have our locations out in Chinle, Tuba City, Kienta, and we have a location that's currently on hold since the pandemic that's out in Cameron, Arizona. So each location offers a very unique line of authentic work that we carry. We also have Western apparel that we brought in for ranch wear, for those weekend work duties that we all do out at the ranch. So we, we also do that as well. But um, as we move our enterprise forward, we've been really collecting back to the artists. And, and myself, being an artist myself, I know those areas and concerns as well as how can we bridge the gap with some of these enterprises to invest back into our local communities and really bridge that gap back together and get our Navajo Native American demographics, the products, authentic products, and also streamline those out into the national and international economies as well. So each one of our locations, our website, we are also online at gonavo.com. We offer a variety of different lines of diversification in art, and we also are really holistically looking to new artists, um, bringing in new artists and working with our our masters of the art at the same time to, you know, connect those gaps and teach the art and technique here within the enterprise and carry it forward. So we've been around, we've celebrated 82 years um, in June, and that's when we opened up the new store location. So since 1941, this enterprise is actually the oldest enterprise of the Navajo Nation and looking to holistically carry us forward for the next 82 years moving forward. Now, JT, is it a, a co-op structure, or is it something that's completely owned by the tribe itself? Tell us more about the ownership structure. 
Yeah, so our our enterprise actually started as a guild. It started as a guild in 1941, and back in 1962, it transitioned into an enterprise. So we're not so much like a co-op. We buy everything off of the individuals that bring us art. We collaborate different um, business opportunities with um, some, some entrepreneurs as well. So how this works is that we're owned by the Navajo government. We're a we're a uh, governmental enterprise, like all of our other enterprises, like the Navajo agricultural industry, like the Navajo Nation gaming enterprise. We are also one of those. So what we do is we buy at wholesale, we buy at um, negotiated pricing with our artists, and we resell those on our sales floors. So, and we also have um, now we're doing business ventures with other artists. For example, we're going to be opening up an, a, a whole line of of work from Thunder Voice Hat Company. So they're coming soon this month, actually, and they'll have a section on our sales floors, and we'll be collaborating with them and purchasing their work and selling that within all of our store locations. JT, the jewelry, some of the arts and crafts, that sounds like a, a market that might be uh, geared towards tourists and, and folks like that. But then you mentioned the Western apparel, the hats, and that sounds like stuff that people are going to wear there at the community level. So it sounds like you're uh, marketing to several different demographics, tourists as, as well as locals and, and tribal citizens. Yeah, we are uh, all areas. The Navajo Nation has opened back up. So since the pandemic and things been closed for about two years, we're finally opening things back up, welcoming back our visitors back to the reservation. It's good to see all the RVs traveling through our hometowns again and again to our community members, welcoming people back. But we are diversifying what we carry here within the enterprise. Of course, our main our main focus will always be Native American art. And within that, we've also diversified that from high-end artists to incoming artists to novice artists. So we're working with them as well and and promoting their work as we move things forward. Another big opportunity that we just accomplished as well is what we call raw materials. So all of the cabochons, the cabs, the strands, all the natural elements that are used to make all these beautiful pieces, we collaborated with a Navajo entrepreneur by the name of um, Xavier Bitsui, who owns a company called Turquoise Mountain. He actually established his business off reservation in the Phoenix Valley area. We brought him back and we collaborate. We carry all of his work within our store locations for our artisans to find, to finish their products and use them. So it's a wide variety of diversification that we've been accomplishing these past couple of months here. And tell us more. Sounds like a, a lot of this is bricks and mortar, but do you have a strong online presence as well for your sales? We have been turning our initiative around to address our, our local needs. So as you made the statement earlier, it sounds like we're really focusing on the local community, and that's what we're doing, and that's why we brought the Crown Point store. All of our residences that come from Eastern Navajo, we wanted to have a place for them to shop local within the town of Crown Point, New Mexico, and all of Eastern Agency. So in speaking to that, we really focus. Our first year is is going back to focus on all of our brick-and-mortar locations 
After this, going into holiday, when things get too busy for us, we're going to start picking up our presents on GoNavo.com. We've used that to kind of get some of the more unique products out that a lot of the local school districts use, or even surrounding the Southwest region, they need certain products that they use in cultural classes, so we've had those kits online. We still do carry those, but as we move forward, we want to revamp our website as we move the enterprise forward, going into our third, fourth quarter of this year, then first quarter of next year, we should have our online presence ready to go again. JT Navajo Arts and Craft Enterprises dates back more than 80 years. How much do you think these stores contribute to the overall economic health of the Navajo Nation? I'm so glad you asked that question. I'm the former economic director for Navajo Nation, so this is what I was all about in working with our economists and developing data. Now on the enterprise side, speaking just specifically to the grassroots of who we are as an economy, as Navajo people, this is where it came from. It came from the art, from the jewelry, from the silver work, and we did the data collection. So for the, for the past five years, we contributed $30 million directly back to Navajo artisans, Native American artisans, and that funneled back into the local economy. So that's just that's just within the past five years. So that was about $7 million annually of payments back directly to artisans that we have done. And, and it's allowed us to expand our capacities. And I'm hoping that what I projected for this year and going moving forward, that we double those numbers as things open back up here on the reservation as we expand our market of what type of jewelry we carry, as as uh, as we look to bring in new artists, as we look to expand our relationships with our current artists. So we're open for business. We're looking for new types of work, and we're looking outside the box as well. So we kind of – we're used to the demographic that we work in, but as we know, a lot of our relatives live off reservation. They live across okay, the United okay. States, so we're bringing JP, them back. I'm sorry. We've got to go to break right now, folks. Short break, and we'll be right back. Teams in Arizona are gearing up for hundreds of basketball games over five days that make up the Native American Basketball Invitational. And across the country, Native elders are competing in more than 50 events for bragging rights at the annual Senior Games. We'll check in with both of these notable summer tournaments on the next Native America Calling. Indian Healthcare Provider Information visit healthcare.gov slash covered. Nakakakulan lugo 1-800-318-2596. Unakayb luni Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service. You are listening to your National Humanities Medal winning radio show and podcast, Native America Calling. And I'm your host, Sean Spruce. We're talking about tribal business today. Is your tribe venturing into a new type of business? 
manufacturing, 8A contracting, hospitality. Give us a call. Tell us all about it. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. And our first guest is still on the line, JT Willie. He's the CEO of Navajo Arts and Crafts Enterprise. And JT, you just got done telling us about uh, how successful these enterprises have been there for the Navajo Nation going back all the way to 1941. You've got three locations and, and hopefully a fourth one to open pretty soon. And I want to ask you, I know Navajo Nation fairly well, and I know that there's a lot of competition there in those border towns with arts and crafts and jewelry stores and things like that. And some of them don't have a great reputation for how they deal with with the the tribal vendors and, and even what they sell, the markup and some of those things. So how do you folks compete with those businesses there in the border towns? And also, do you feel that the, the Navajo Nation artisans and jewelers and other craftspeople are becoming more savvy in dealing there with the tribal enterprise as opposed to border town dealers and uh, stores? Yeah, thank you for that. I um I feel like I feel as though the border towns <clears throat> we've also we've we've come to know them as our competitors. We've come to know them as um those that we 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 try to outdo or they try to outdo us. And now leading this enterprise, I've always felt that this enterprise needs to go back to its mission to carry out support for the artistry of Navajo, of Native American, of any kind of artist. So as we um, move forward from here and us having a location in Gallup, it's it's been in, in my thought process that we work collectively to make ourselves stand out and be unique among our competitors. So what we offer you is it's 100% Navajo owned and operated. It is an enterprise of the Navajo government, but it's also a standpoint to market for those artisans that don't really want to do that themselves. We're here to do that for them, but we're also here to support well-established artists and carry them forward in any way that we can help them on a bigger scale. So as we move forward, like for example, working with Thunder Voice Hat Company, they're Navajo owned, they have their own company, but we're bringing them back to work with them and have a location on our sales floors, just like we work with other bigger retailers. Um, for example, Wrangler. We carry Wrangler on the western side of our stores, so they we enter a contract and we follow that through with them, and we set a space set aside for that product only. We're doing that same thing for our Native artists, for our Navajo artists, as we move forward. And, and so I, I feel as though our thought process has has changed the mentality to where we can expand our opportunities to increase those margins a lot better for us here on Navajo. And working with um, our Navajo artisans, it, it's been, I've, I've seen the research, I've seen the dialogue happen to where our local artists go and they take a route on a daily route when they finish their work, they go out to try to sell their work. I want to be that first place that they come to to bring those pieces. But sometimes we've kind of breached our budget and they have to go elsewhere to try to sell their work. And so they go off into the border towns, other locations, then they get brought down on their price as much as possible. And then the maximum opportunity on that side's increased from what I've done and seen as times five, times 10 sometimes 
sometimes of those pieces and you kind of think, okay, we could do better on our side and how can we increase our budgets, our margins to bring in more art and buy from those folks and give them fair pricing as compared to going off reservation and, and getting lowered on their pricing. And then you go into the whole dialogue of unfair pricing when it comes to artisans because I've been there. I've experienced, experienced that well enough to understand what you go through when it comes to marketing your work and selling your work. So therefore, as we move forward here, uh, what I plan to do with our board of directors as well as our leadership is to look at other areas to put budgets aside so we can increase those areas to be the first visit for them and also knowing that we offer the best in pricing because what we've done is we we revamped our entire purchasing process now you know, okay. following the IACA standards and carrying that forward. So those are just some of the methods that we're putting in place. Well, JT, thank you so much for joining us today and continued success for Navajo Arts and Crafts Enterprise. Listeners, we're talking economic development today. We're talking about tribal businesses. If your tribe has a business you'd like to give us some information about, let us know. Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Now, let's head up to Clarkston, Washington, where we have Zeke DeMabo standing by. Again, he's with the Red Wolf Golf Club. And Zeke, tell us more. What led to the tribe's acquisition of this golf club there in Clarkston? And I had a chance to check it out this spring. It's a beautiful course. Yes, we were approached by the Clarkston Golf and Country Club to purchase the course. Uh, they were kind of starting to fall into financial despair. And so we were able to to come in, funnel in some monies, get it back up running again. Uh, you know, we dropped over $400,000 into new maintenance equipment. We dropped 150 ton of asphalt fixing up the cart pass we're in line to you know we remodeled upstairs we put in a simulator we did some kitchen work brought in some nice nice uh kitchen appliances that you know nobody will see but once you taste the food you'll be you'll be uh amazed <laughs> a, a really nice chef so, yeah absolutely absolutely well, Zeke, golf is, I mean, that's a, that's a tough business. And I know that uh, nationally, you know, you see like some younger folks aren't playing as much golf as in previous generations. And then like, of course, with COVID and things like that, there had to be some risk there. How did the tribe manage that risk and take on that responsibility? Because this, this was a big move for you folks. It was a huge move. And not everybody was happy with it, but it, golf is the future. It opens so many doors for so so much of our use. You know, they've been known for, you know, well, all across Indian country, our, our Native people are very athletic. And it just opens another door for the ones that are not the basketball players, the football players, you know, the baseball players. Golf is a, a lifetime sport. And so... So when when you take that and you you know there's you know I always feel there's a lot more value in bringing our youth opportunities you know yeah the money's going to come the money's going to come but 
investing in our people. That's huge. And so that's, you know, that's, that's more than, you know, we are making our, our gains. We're taking our, our steps. We're gaining momentum, you know, making that dollar. But the thing is, is we're, we're also enhancing the lives of so many more of our community members, not only native, but non-native mm -hmm. They have, you know, because this was a, a private course. Now we're semi-private. We have members, but we also have an open door policy for anybody that wants to come in and play golf. They, they're more than welcome to come and play. Well, Zeke, it's apparent there that the Nimipu are looking forward to the future with the acquisition of this golf course. And tell us there about the people there in Clarkston, the existing population, the the people that were already members of the club. Uh, were they receptive to to new tribal ownership when you folks came in? <laughs> uh, not really. You know, there were, you know, some of them, you know, did jump over across the river to the Lisbon Golf and Country Club mm. and since came back. You know, when when the tribe come in, you know, the membership was dropping, you know, because they wanted to have their own course. They wanted to, you know, have their own tea times and stuff and, and it worked out fine. But as as the membership grew older and, and start kind of fading off, that didn't work no more and so when we came in yeah there was a an exit you know but you know they were i don't know scared you know don't didn't realize the good that we were going to inject into the course you know and so since then you know we've we've had a few more come back and and they just been able to really enjoy the fruits of our labors and and so, and, you know, as more people come and, you know, this is pretty much a retirement community, you know, we're sitting at 740 foot elevation. We, we golf pretty much all year round here. And so that's, that's a big key for a lot of, a lot of our older, older folks is they like to come relax, have a, you know, a mild winter and still play the game of golf and, you know, I, I sent out a picture of uh, New Year's Day. We had golfers out here getting ready to go out and play. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, our northern northern tribes, they're all shut down. You know, Spokane and Coeur d'Alene and everybody up north, all the courses up there. And so where do they, where do they go? They come down here. And so I, I you know, our membership is starting to climb, but yeah, they were they were just a little on the skeptical side of you know sticking around. Okay, yeah, I can imagine there would be maybe maybe a little bit of hesitancy, maybe some resistance. And Zeke, I've always been curious about golf courses, and I mean, where is the money for you folks? Is it the lessons? Is it the greens fees? Is it selling equipment or? What goes on in the restaurant and the bar? What's the bottom line there? Well, it's the carts. The carts are the big, the big money makers. The carts, the 
the green fees. The members membership is also adds a lot to the the kitty, and we've uh, upgraded some of our vendors in the pro shop. So we have, you know, we have, you know, golf apparel. We have golf clubs. We have golf balls. You know, everything that you would need to go out mm-hmm. and play. And and our our food and beverage upstairs. They they equip us with uh, a little little fridge that we can have snacks and sandwiches and you know stuff for people making the turn. And we have beverages for sale. And but the biggest money maker would be, I'd have to say, is is the green fees and and the the carts so along people, with the membership. Got it. So it's you know people actually getting out there and golfing. That's uh, that's the bread and butter. It sounds like. And then, how about the employment pool, Zeke? Have you folks been able to to hire tribal members to work there at the, at the golf club, or is it more folks from from Clarkston there? No, actually, um, when when I first moved home back in 2016, you know, the talks were going about us purchasing this, and and uh, the chairwoman of the tribe, you know, she she said. Zeke, what do you want to do? You know, and I said, I want to work at a course, you know, <laughs> and so in the in the meantime, you know, while everything was, you know, being finalized, I had to get a job. And so that's, I ended up selling Subarus for four years before they did give me a hauler and say, hey, can you come down, you know, and we talked over lunch and stuff. And, and uh, so that was, that was back in February of 21. I went from January 31st, my last day to 1st of February. But we've been able to to hire a lot, lot of our tribal people. One of our young tribal members, uh, Keith Kip Jr., he's uh, our PGM associate member. And he's, he's been quite the athlete in high school and stuff, and he's really taken the golf. And so, that really allowed us to have pro-ams at our course, you know, because we have a PGA associate member. And so, and then, then of course, there's myself and my daughter, well, Drea. And, you know, we, we work here and then we have, you know, our maintenance crew, we have probably about three or four out there, but, you know, it, it's an opportunity for all of our community. You know, we mm-hmm. employ over 1,200. You know, we're like the second largest uh, employer in the region. And so, so it's a win-win. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. So you went from Subaru sales to, to running a golf course, and, and you mentioned earlier how, you know, the tournaments and just getting people out there. And, of course, how about you, Zeke? Has your, your game improved since you came on board? Oh, not not as much as it was when I was up at the Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Are you able you know, to get out in the course, course much? Are you more <laughs> in the office there managing well, I, the facility? I, I, I do – I do get out, and the beauty part of it is we have a a Nimi Poo League night, and we had to shut the whole course down on Thursday nights, you know, because we have 17 teams, and and so, you know, we we split split it into two fractions because we have so. 
so many teams. We have uh, the first flight, which is the real competitive players, and then we have the novice second flight. And the way we work them is they play a scramble, match play scramble, and then then the first flight plays a you know match play uh, individual, and so so it's been you know you know getting out and playing. You know, I do, and I, I'm a big-time tournament player, and so I'll I'll do some chipping and putting, hit hit some balls, but you know, as an old athlete myself, not really old old, but old. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zeke, you're being modest. I think I think you're you're pretty 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 deadly out there on the golf course for sure. Well. Interesting conversation, uh, learning more about this golf course uh, owned by the Nimipu, of course, the Nez Perce tribe up in Clarkston, Idaho, not far from their homelands there, their tribal homelands near Lapway, Idaho. And, uh, folks, we're going to take another break here. But before we go, I want to give a special announcement here. Our next guests here with the Aerosol Trading Post, they've got some shirts that they're going to give, one shirt that they're going to give away to the first caller after this next break we're going to take so get ready folks first caller after this next break will receive a t-shirt from aerosol trading and we're going to talk more with the owners of aerosol trading as well 1-800-996-2848 win a t-shirt 1-800-996-284 did you know that bare space is best when it comes to your baby's sleep that's right When you keep their crib free from toys, pillows, blankets, and other loose objects, you can drastically reduce the risk of suffocation. All your little one needs is to be placed on their back atop a tightly fitted sheet to ensure a safer night's rest. More infant sleep safety information at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. This is Native America Calling. We're focusing on new developments in tribal business today, and there's still plenty of time to join this conversation. How does Native business or enterprise benefit your Native community? Do you see a trickle-down effect there, or could tribal enterprises maybe do more to support the people they represent? Give us a call. Let us know. 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. And we've got our next guest on the line. One is in studio and the other is calling in today, Orlando Cruz and Saba. And uh, we are going to be giving away that T-shirt coming up, folks. So if you haven't called in with a question yet, now's your chance. 1-800-996-2848. And Orlando, tell us a little bit more about this T-shirt that you're going to auction off as well as uh, Aerosol Trading Post. Well, Aerosol Trading Post actually started down in uh, Las Cruces, and then they opened up a branch out in Taos. And uh, a lot lot of people have been asking, how can I get some merchandise in Albuquerque? So we decided to open up a shop here in Albuquerque. So come on down. And Saba is actually the screen printer of this boarding school dropouts. It's Mm. been a very popular shirt uh, when we go vending a lot, this is one that a lot of people uh, like to purchase along with the the Southwest is another one. So come on down to the shop and check it out. That, But that's what we got going on today. We're going to be giving away a sticker and a T-shirt. 
boarding school dropout. That's the that's the logo on there. That's the tag, huh? Yes, sir. Very cool. Very cool. Well, tell us more about what you folks sell there at the Trading Post. Uh, we got some uh, very fine art, uh, T-shirts. Uh, I like to show a different perspective in uh, art, so I like to show uh, 3D effects, uh, different types of changings of lights and what they do, black lights. You know, not a lot of uh, artists really think about, hey, what would my you know, painting look like if I had LED lights on it? What happens? Or what happens if you put 3D glasses on and view it? You know, all these different uh, things go through your mind, and wow, it does really change it. And if you guys get an opportunity to come down, I would most definitely love to show you the 3D, the LED, and the black light effects that my artwork does. Absolutely, and I know you're in downtown Albuquerque, and there's been quite a resurgence of business down there in the downtown area. What prompted you to go downtown as opposed to maybe some of these other areas of town, like up near the mall or you know West Side? There's a lot of growth out there too. There's a very good vibe about that that area, and not only that, but the previous owner was an indigenous owner, so we wanted to keep that that vibe there with the the whole indigenous ownership and we're really looking forward to doing some pop-ups and different events and get the community involved in what's really going down and you know getting people out there mm -hmm. and Saba how about you are, are you involved with daily sales or are you working more on on the the creation and, and product design end uh well Kind of working on uh, all the different levels and streams of uh, this endeavor here. But uh, kind of want to <clears throat> say what's up, y'all. How you doing? Um, thanks again for having us. Thank you, uh, Orlando, for being there and uh, and for stepping up. You know, it's a, it's a hard situation to put yourself into. And I feel as a... As a Navajo coming off of the reservation, uh, it's it's really hard to uh, you know to get your to get your foot in the door, right? It's hard enough to to go shop in some of these border towns without getting uh, hated not hated on or you know scrutinized for for taking up space in this wonderful capitalistic situation. Mm. Um, but that allows me to create and not have to attend those uh those environments you know and and look toward uh localizing and looking at ourselves for uh for help right shout out to covid because it it changed a lot of people's minds um and how they conduct and survive on a daily basis so anyway oh so anyway we put this uh art collective together called the aerosol art collective um, and just jumping off of our, Orlando's um, comment earlier, it actually started, Aerosol Trading Post actually started in Farmington, New Mexico, uh, downtown Main Street. And that's where we felt the real uh, tension between uh, the business people amongst these uh, border towns, right? Right. Right, yeah. So, you know, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. 
Well, tell us more about the boarding school dropout shirt that you designed, because I know uh, we're going to raffle that off to a caller, 1-800-99-NATIVE. Yes, yes. And uh, I, I run a business called Sabaware, and i got to point out a huge factor in all of this is uh, my wife, Shauna Dayish. She is actually the matriarchal uh, dance in, in everything, right, from Taos to Farmington to to Las Cruces uh, and Albuquerque now. You know, we, uh, we're trying to implement that uh, matriarchal design that was taken away from boarding school, right? So that's, uh, it didn't make sense to a lot of us, so we ended up dropping out or not buying all of the, buying into the whole colonial structure mm-hmm. and uh, Western patriarchal views. Well, we've got this shirt here, folks. First person to call in with a question or a comment, 1-800-996-2848. Boarding school dropout. That is the shirt theme there. Uh, Orlando, I, I want to ask you, because you know, earlier, these other businesses we've talked about, Navajo Arts and Crafts Enterprises, and of course, Red Wolf Golf Club, these are tribal enterprises. But the uh, trading post here, this is more of an individual type of entrepreneurial endeavor and of course there's always an element of risk and how did you folks manage that risk going into this business especially with so much happening and with covid and all and other challenges facing bricks and mortar locations well luckily i was um able to have a job during the whole pandemic and i had been saving up money and i know me and saba had been talking about this hey we need to set up a shop you know it's it's just been in the talks really and then finally he came up to me and said, hey, we got this spot. What do you think about this? Do you think we should go roll with it? And, you know, right away I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's just, you know, I know I know it's going to be hard in, in the beginning, but, hey, you know, it's creators got us. Creators got us. That's all I got to say. Creators got us and we'll continue to do great things. Well, it sounds like that's for sure. And. Albuquerque's a big city now, right? Over a million people there. And, and yeah. who is your, your primary market? Are you, are you selling mostly to Native folks or are all kinds of people coming into the store? Well, you know, lately people have been just dropping in and yeah, it's various, various people, you know. But a lot of, it, a lot of our clientele is, is indigenous just because of the different flavor and style that we have on our shirts and in our artwork. And they really do appreciate that. So a lot of indigenous people are our, our main customers. But we like to get out there and, you know, expand and go abroad. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a shop overseas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sky's the limit there for sure. And what about, obviously, a lot of the the pieces that you're selling, the work you're selling, they've got social and, and political messages behind them. And do you find it that folks more and more demanding native art and native expression with the message, or is it enough just to put some cool designs down? I think a lot of people love to grasp on, on what it is that said, like for me, Skoden is like a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm trying to go out there and, do that as as my brand and um you know there's yeah a lot of it has got to do with with what is what is on the shirt the message what is the message we're trying to get and open up people's eyes and make them really realize what is going on in this world hence like the boarding school 
you know there's the mmiw shirts uh there's a whole slew of them you know yeah, there's just so many, and there's just so much heightened awareness now all over Native America. It's just, just fascinating. Just within the last ten years or so, just amazing how much more people are, are focusing on some of these issues. We do have a winner of the T-shirt, Susan, up in Bethel, Alaska, listening on station KYUK. She's not on the line anymore, but uh, Orlando and Sabo will go ahead and get you her contact information so you can mail that shirt out. And we do have another caller on the line, Kat, who's here in Albuquerque listening on KUNM. Hello, Kat. Hi. Who am I you... speaking to? Kat, I'm the host of Native America Calling, and on the line right oh, now okay. we have Orlando, Cruz, right. and Saba from the uh, Aerosol Trading Post. Aerosol. Okay. I hadn't been there yet, so I was going to check that out today in Albuquerque. That's in Albuquerque, you say, downtown? Yep, downtown Albuquerque, Good. yeah. All right. Well, my question was that we appreciate uh, Native culture, and is is it proper for a non-Native person to wear a shirt like that? All right, Kat, appreciate that. Let's ask Orlando. Orlando, non-Native people wearing Native-designed clothing and apparel, what's your take? I say most definitely. You know, they like to show their support, and that's one of the best ways to show their support is by wearing our merchandise and sending the message out there. Well, I would imagine uh, from a business standpoint, you would want as many people as possible wearing this stuff, right? Yes, most definitely. And um, we got some things coming up. I want to do something about what's ever on the press day. If you come in and you purchase something and you by any chance have an extra garment with you, we could possibly throw a free print on you of whatever it is that we have on the press for that day. <laughs> You've got all kinds of promotions, all kinds of deals going on there at the Aerosol Trading Post. And Orlando, I understand you brought a drum with you today, and you yeah. might sing us a song if we're lucky. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Well, let's do it. All right, here we go. for y'all hey well we sure do appreciate that orlando for sure thank you for joining us wow 
What a shout out there from Orlando Cruz with the Aerosol Trading Post. And uh, we're going to have to wrap up the show here, unfortunately, in a couple more minutes. But Orlando, I want to ask you, I mean, here you did, you took the plunge, you and Saba uh, in business. What advice do you have for any native folks listening to the show right now who are aspiring entrepreneurs? Follow your dreams. Dreams do come true. All right. Saba, how about you? Advice for aspiring entrepreneurs? Uh, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> You'll get what? it, and uh, you got to be prepared for it. <laughs> well, elaborate on that. It sounds like uh, in some ways business can be great, but it can be tough too. What are some of the challenges about being an entrepreneur that people might not understand? Well, I, I realized uh, why there wasn't, uh, any native owned trading post growing up because, uh, we weren't, we weren't, uh, grown that way. We weren't brought up in the business realm. Right. So to deal with it has been the biggest headache, but also what the, the result of dealing with that kind of like school, right? Worksheets, worksheets, worksheets on worksheets and we get it, we graduate and it's easier. You know, and uh, it's very liberating when you rem- when you realize that, hey, I'm actually an American, not just a Native American. Mm-hmm. Because all of these same opportunities are available to anybody with a Social Security card. So I encourage anybody to step up and, you know, jump in the ring with us because we're we're more powerful in numbers, you know. So big love to everybody and, uh, you know. Shout out to Homegrown Trading Post as well. They're uh, opening their doors, you know, if not already open. So it's a, it's a family thing, and keep it, uh, keep it growing. All righty. Well, we sure do appreciate both Saba and Orlando joining us today to talk about the Aerosol Trading Post. And a uh, big thank you for that song, Orlando, as well as the generosity to raffle off that T-shirt to Susan, who is listening up in Bethel, Alaska. Our other two guests who joined us today, JT Willie with Navajo Arts and Crafts Enterprise. Thank you to you, JT. And also Zeke Domebo, who is with the Red Wolf Golf Club, a tribal enterprise of the Nimipu people there in the state of Idaho. And at this point, we are going to have to wrap up the show. We've talked economic development, and uh, it's been a good discussion. Follow up with us on social media. Let us know what you thought, Facebook, Instagram, or just put a comment on our website at NativeAmericaCalling.com. Join us tomorrow for a look at two summer sports tournaments that draw amateur Native athletes from across the United States. Until then, stay well, stay proud, stay sovereign. Do you want to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help. SBA wants to see you win. They want to see you grow. They have been so helpful and so resourceful. Thanks to the SBA, my business is thriving today. Make sure you get in touch with SBA and you will definitely be on your way to a winning path. For your small business needs, go to sba.gov start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. Smoking gave me COPD, which makes it harder and harder for me to breathe. I have a tip for you. If your doctor gives you five years to live, spend it talking with your grandchildren. Explain to them that your grandpa's not going to be around anymore to share his wisdom and his love. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. 
and I'm running out of time. COPD makes it harder and harder to breathe and can cause death. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.